Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Football History Podcast. My name is Nick Hart. We live in the age of FIFA 21, the football manager, and every major sport from NFL, NBA, Formula One, having their own video games represented in what has become a vast and lucrative industry. But bouncing back with an unlikely, some might think, World Cup bid is a much-loved game from the past for gentlemen of a certain age. And joining me, on the show is another gentleman of a certain age, Mr. Neil Andrews, football writer and um, and Sabutio aficionado. Welcome to the show, Neil. Cheers, Nick. I should also add added collector of Sabutio teams. It's a wonderful game. Um, I, I actually bought my nephew uh, for Christmas Sabutio. He's, I mean, he's 14, so he's of the age of um, FIFA this and for every version of, of the video game that comes out. And um, I thought I'm going to buy him Sabutio because it's enjoying a bit of a resurgence at the moment, Neil. And um, it went, it's quite interesting. I mean, one of the beauties of doing shows like this is you you, you read about the the unlikeliest um, histories. And on, on Wikipedia, there's a wonderful history of Sabutio. Um, it, it goes back a long way, doesn't it? I mean, post-war, I mean, uh, created yeah, by a chap called Peter Adolf. Um, not... <laughs> yeah, it actually goes back further. Peter Adolf did the, you know, Sabuto table football. There yeah. was another version called New Footy, um, mm. which is, preceded it by about 20 years. Um, it was done by two brothers in a site in their house in Liverpool. Similar start to actually Sabuto, but the thing was they never patented it. And as a right. result, when Peter Adolf came along with his version, and he was unaware of New Footy, to be fair, um, they couldn't really do anything. So they, they had no recourse for legal action. And they did eventually patent their game, but as obviously it was too late. Um, but if you look at the players, you know, the early players in the early teams, there's some similarities, except in right. the way the basics were uh, and some of the rules. It was more like um, shove eight penny, um, kind of like that pub game. Than, you know, but you, know, you still had that kind of flick-to-kick mentality. But um, yeah, they both started as pretty much cottage, in, um, cottage industries. It occurs to me that we, I, I think anyone listening to this show will be gentlemen of a certain age, almost certainly. But it occurs to me that we may get some younger listeners, so we should probably explain 
um, what Sabutio is. Um, I mean, I, I loved this game as a kid and, and still do actually. Um, but it was it was a it was a football game. They did have other versions, didn't they? They had versions of they uh, had rugby. They had cricket rugby, which had this great thing where you put the ball in and it would shoot out. They had hockey, yep. speedway, angling, uh, angling, uh, snooker. Um, they also had a game. Apparently, the snooker one was terrible, but they also had a game called Journey into Space, which had kind of sputo figures. You you flicked off a balloon <laughs> and you went to the planet. And they also did vector uh, set, so they kind of did a beat all sabutio. And not wow. on the bases, not flick the kick, but you know it came in kind of like a package. So, you know, they did kind of try to diversify. I remember rugby was probably rugby. The next, I remember, yeah, um, hockey, but obviously cricket was kind of overtaken by a test match, um, yeah, which was yeah. kind of a slightly superior game. I've never actually played or seen the angling or um, speedway version, so I can't comment. I've seen pictures of the speedway version. Um, and it looks interesting, I must admit. And um, it probably was of its age as well when Speedway was popular in the UK. Huge sport uh, at the time, yeah. Do you know the story of um, what happened when it started? So he, he, you know, he, he started off in the back room of his mum's house. He had all yeah. this wire, he had some knitting. Um, the secret was the old army blankets. And um, the, the original set, just to kind of go off at a tangent, you didn't mm. actually get the pitch. Well, you got the pitch. No, you got an arm no. Arm you got yeah, a piece of chalk really, you had to do yeah. yourself. Now, officiados actually say it's the best pitch um, that's ever been created. I know they did Astro Turf, which is very popular because it's very rare these days. But um, you could actually mark out your own pitch according to the size of your table, which was the beauty of, um, that, of the, that of the army person. blanket. But um, he, yeah, he put an ad in the boys' own paper, and didn't think it would get much. You know, the odd reply. He went off to. Because he, he was a very he was an ornithologist, very interesting. Bird. Yeah, he's a very um, interesting character actually. RAF yeah. man in the war. Yeah. Yeah, and so he went off to America to look at rare eggs, and um, his mother had to cable him <laughs> frantically because she had seven thousand five hundred pounds worth of post orders that had arrived from kids wanting this game, and it took him six months to kind of fulfil the orders, the backlog. Um, but that kind of put it on a different footing. So yeah, it's um, a funny old story. And um, fantastic. Yeah, that, um, that's where the name comes from as well. Yeah, which I, I never knew. I mean, I'm just reading the the um, the Wikipedia page, and there's a great picture of a of a plaque to Peter Adolf, 1916 to 1994, inventor of Subutio, and as you say rightly, an ornithologist. It's a strange um, strange combination. But he had his factory down there in in Kent, in Tunbridge Wells, and it's you know it's 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 one of those. It's a very British kind of idea that you use old wartime blankets. And make another use out of them. It was very much of its time. I mean, it's, it's kind of make do and mend, and yet somehow you create something bigger than than you might have anticipated at the start of it. But I, I can remember um, the the version that I had actually had a, a pitch. I mean, you know, you rolled it out. It's pre it's printed, and you could roll it out on as we did on our carpet. But I do remember, you know, people telling me that they never used to come with the pitches, and how lucky we were to to, have, to live in the era of Subutio pitches. But the the, the players were. I mean, it was it was a, it was a, a, a tremendous um, invention, really, because you know they were really well designed, weren't they? I mean, they were plastic. The, the main problem we had was that you could break them, and that was always a bit of a a bit of a problem. Um, so you'd finish up with multicolored teams and with other you know recruits from other other sets that you might have. But um, the actual game itself was probably as close as you could get in table football terms to to the real thing. I mean, that was the beauty of it, wasn't it? You you could employ proper football tactics 
styles of play. Yeah, you could. So you could go four four two. You could go four three four three three. MW, whatever it was called. You know, you could do whatever you wanted. And there were certain rules, obviously. Um, you know, you you could only shoot beyond the kind of what was the twenty yard line, theoretically. Yep. Um, yeah. But I think the real reason why it was so successful was the attention to detail. Now I know everyone you know laughs about you know the um, the to quote half man biscuit, you know the the accessories for that big match atmosphere. Um, but you know you had the stadium, you know you had the TV, you know being a Millwall fan, obviously you had the right police as well and the fences. And, uh, the and, you know, but you know, it was right to spectators as well. I think yeah. they, they, had one yeah, they eventually they produced over seven hundred and fifty different types of kit. Um, over 30 different types of ball, 25 different types of net, and there were seven different fan poses. So it was that attention to detail, I think, that made it the real winner. Um, because obviously you had rivals. You know, you had ball games like Wembley. You had other kind of like Bobby Charlton soccer. You had that one where you yep. kind of twist in the, the knobs at the end and it would kind of flick like a pinball yep. style. Um, but like you say, you could set up your tactics. You could pick your team. You could pick any team. You could pick your own kit, the away kit. You know, yep. you had a scoreboard, you know, you could have a crowd, you could even have a record playing the crowd noises. You know, it really did replicate. Yeah, you know, I know it's a cliche, that big match atmosphere. I mean, as, as, as a kid, um, I mean, I suppose you have to stress that this video games were, they just started to be, um, you know, a thing in my in my late um, kind of uh, teens, I suppose. But this predated the video era. And one of the things that always... Um, Stuart, I'm going to sound like a right old git now, listeners. I'm going to apologise, but is that you? You had to create your own world when when you played Subutia. I mean, I played with my brother, and you know, you needed a league, so you'd have your teams. You had to do your own statistics. It was, it was very much, um, you know, you had to make it happen yourself in in a sense, rather than the, the rather. Um, passive quality i think that um video games can do because everything's laid on for you you know that the, 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 the league table gets done the top scorer gets told you, you with subutio you had to make your own fantasy world i suppose um which i think was part of its charm for me as a kid i think yeah there's um there's a lot of dependency on the computer games because you know i've done you know articles on the history of computer games and mm. the famous orange ball in the snow trying to replicate on subutio on my pitch using uh, my mum's flower and some sellotape although now you can actually buy pictures that have snow on them or mud in the middle for even extra authenticity. <laughs> but um you know that that kind of league basis that you're talking about so you know if you had the speed you know, booklet or the catalog or the rule book they'll tell you how yeah. to play league and yeah. how to yeah. do it and how to do cup competitions and you yeah. know that kind of fed on to the early computer games which probably was the killer for Subutio because you know you got games like Match Day come along, and then Match Day Two, which were kind of on the ZX spectrum, which were kind of precursors of FIFA, and then you got actual soccer, etc., which took the Subito concept into a more vivid, real world for you know the, the kids coming up behind us. Um, but you know, at the height, I think it was like about 1980, there were seven, over seven million players of Subito worldwide. You know, and like I said, it was 750 kits, so you know you could get your team no matter what. Um, yeah. You know, it was played in over 50 countries. The rule book was available in 16 languages. It was a very, very big thing. Um, but, you know, the numbers started to decline in the mid 80s. And I think part of the problem was that the love and attention of the kits started to go as well, which sounds really weird because that's when the kits started getting the sponsors and badges. But it wasn't the yeah. same because it was all printed. Um, 
but you know it kind of it lost its main base but it's ironic because although it's making a resurgence now it's making a resurgence based on that kind of consistent stream that's been flowing since then because leagues are still been going on you know Sabio has still been played um you know since the 80s you know just on a smaller scale but like all things you know people our age you know people dust down get in the loft you know they find this Sabio, they start playing it and then they suddenly realize they fancy playing in the league so they ring yeah. up their mate from school and it goes yeah i have a game and then all of a sudden it blossoms again and and so it is really taking off with adults of a certain age and also kind of you know people discover the game you know who rediscover it because you can still buy cbo you've been able to you know, buy absolutely yeah um absolutely but you know it has changed in terms of yeah it's always had this kind of professional element so i always remember you know reading an article 10 years ago where you know they were talking about the latest cbo world cup and how you know these play you know the professional players take floor polish and house polish with them to polish the bases <laughs> and they can glide across the pitches um, better. And you must remember this kid, the Italian kid, Andrea, was it Andrea Piccoluca, I think it was, who won the World Cup around 1980. And he did a tour of the UK. I always remember this kid because he was at Wembley, you know, took pictures on. But he ended up ensuring his flicking finger for 150 grand. Did he? Just, uh... <laughs> because he was I... so much money from this. I remember something like that because I, this is one of the, one of the great cross sliding door moments of my life, listeners. When um, I must have been ooh, in my mid about twelve or thirteen, I reckon, um, and I, for reasons that I can't remember, I, I'd applied to go to a tournament, in, and it might might have been in Gillingham actually, which seemed like a long way away from where we lived in Nottingham. And I didn't really know where Gillingham was, other than the fact it was a long way away. And um, I, 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 they sent the reply back saying, yes, you can come to this Sabutio tournament. Um, and I was the most excited at, at the thought of this. But then, I, as ever in this life, your enemy is the little voice in your head that says, how are you going to get there? What are you going to do? There's going to be loads of people there. And, and I, my, my, my bottle went, Neil. I, I didn't go yeah. to it in the end. And um, I, I was, um, you know, it's one of those little moments in your life. You, everyone comes across this kind of stuff at some point in their life. And I could have been that Paliuka kid that would buy a finger insured for 150,000 pounds or something, but it never happened. I didn't go. One of the regrets of my life. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's an article actually. I was just looking before we started speaking. There's an article in When Saturday Comes a few months ago about Sabutio, Sabutio clubs popping up across the UK and trying to pull it together into some kind of national um, entity of some sort. I, I don't know how they're going to do it, but. Yeah. You know, it's it's an amazing, amazingly um, enjoyable game. I mean, my, my nephew hadn't come across it in his life, loved it. You know, because it's a physical thing, isn't it? It's not like yeah. the video screen games. It's you've got to play it. It's it's got action. You know. So I got my first set. Um, so I always wanted to be as a kid, um, but you know, woe is me. We were quite poor when I was a kid, and you know, the sets were relatively expensive. <laughs> And I always wanted to be, never got it, asked it every birthday. And then my mum was walking past second-hand shop, and in the window was this big cardboard box full of Sabutia. And it came yeah. about with 13 teams, and I've still got the majority of those teams. Some are still in fine order, some still have glue, some have players missing. Um, yeah. And they were kind of the old heavyweights. I'll move on to, you know, different Well, this was another thing, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. this was the but, change um, of clocks, got yeah. that. But then, um, you know, I started buying my own, and I, I, I always kept the teams. Yeah. Um, I had the England World Cup team from 1982. 
And one of, I've only okay. got 10 of those because my Alsatian dog ate one of them and ran in and <laughs> ate one of the players. I've got a Brazil team from the same World Cup where one of them's got no head. Um, so, you know, you had these kind of things. But um, I kept this. And then about 20 years ago, when I kind of first discovered eBay, I don't think, um, mm. maybe a bit longer, I started finding the teams that I really wanted as a kid and started buying them with the intention of playing them with my son. And then realized there's a market for these old teams. And I realized that I had some teams that were worth quite a lot of money. And I realized that some teams were quite a lot of money, which would have been worth more money if my knee hadn't destroyed half of them. Um, <laughs> but it, it was kind of, you know, it got to the point where I never played them with my son because well, we did play to be a They were too valuable. <laughs> they were too valuable. And um, I always remember the shock and horror on my face when my youngest found my Sabuto because I've got more in a draw. I've got about over 200 teams. And the Philadelphia Atoms. So it wasn't even team number one, which is red and white, but the Philadelphia Atoms, she got hold of them and bent them all back. And it's oh, like, mate. oh my God. Um, there we are. Just looking, listen, Neil sent me a link to an eBay. Um, and as you say, Neil, I mean, they're, 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 these are called heavyweights. I suppose we should just mm-hmm. explain that these were the kind of the classic era of beauty teams. The base of the player had had weight to it. I mean, that's, it, the name says what it is. Not, not they, quite. Not quite. So there's, okay. actually ten, there's actually 10 different types of Subutu team. Right. Um, wow. So the first, okay. first, first one in the first set, um, they were called Carbol Flats. So they're basically Carbol figures, and they were on button bases. And Peter Adolf bought these buttons from Woolworths, cut them down, and weighted <laughs> them with a lead washer so they wouldn't fall <laughs> over. Um, but then he kind of went to the next thing because um, you had to cut these Carbol figures out very carefully with, you know, Scissors. So these are little cardboard men stuck yeah. on top of that that heavy then, heavy base. Yeah. Then they produced the perforated ones, so it looked like they had kind of like a bubble around them. But then right. they moved on to kind of what was known as celluloid flats, so kind of like plastic. Now these are the most expensive. If you ever come across any of these? You you know, in a charity right. shop for a couple of quid, you could sell them for hundreds online. Right. After right. The, that's when you then moved on to the more traditional bases. So the first one was the heavyweight V-neck, and it's called the heavyweight V-neck because they were all hand painted. And they had a V-neck, yes. and they all had T-shirts rather than long sleeves. Um, well, this would be the era that I remember. Yeah, okay. Not, yeah. not quite. So this is 50. Oh. So it's kind of with the bar. After that, they produced one called the Walker, where the kind of the feet were kind of embedded into the base. I've got one right. of those teams, actually. Um, they weren't around for long, because then they went on to the heavyweight, the one you're familiar with, with the bar across. Okay. And the, the traditional right. dance. And these were the ones that were hand-painted. So they're all hand-painted here. And um, I think it was like... They, they used to outsource the painting of the players. And if you were kind of an outsourced painter, you would paint on average a 1,000 players a week. And in the 60s, you got paid, I think it was £2.12 shillings. In the 70s, it was about £7.50 a week to paint these figures. Wow. So each team was unique because they were hand-painted. But the heavyweights are the ones with the bar across, which lasted till the early 70s. And then they moved what's known as a zombie because of the stunts. Wow. Uh, the zombie had this kind of real... It kind of differed in terms of the characteristics of the figure. It wasn't so detailed. So it was the first time kind of like really, you know, produced in a kind of mold kind of thing. And they had a particular look where their arms kind of hand right. out. And they could come in a bar or what was became that kind of base. Um, so the lightweights which followed were kind of the ones with the kind of round base that went into the middle. And they were the ones you saw in the early 80s. And the first lot of hand um, lightweights were hand-painted. And then they became machine-printed. And you notice the difference straight off the bat. So things like the England team in 1982 were machine-printed. Um, you know, things like that. But 
the one they always had the problem with was Wiccan Wanderers because it was always a white figure. And because they had the different blue quarters, they still had problems with that. But after the lightweight machine painted, they went to the lightweight one-piece base, which is kind of the more modern style. And the last one is kind of the professional base. So it's kind of a smaller, rounder base. It's the one you see in these clubs now. It's the one they right. play with that they kind of get going. But the ones that are the really interesting ones, the heavyweight zombies and lightweights. You rarely get the heavyweight V-necks, the celluloids, etc. The reason why the heavyweights and you know the zombies and that are so worth much because they put so much attention into these teams and because kits varied so much they're worth a lot more so you know like the old west stand kit with the chevrons that's yeah, worth a yeah. bit of money. you know it's worth about 10 20 pounds but i had um academic um Hamilton academicals with the red yep. white stripes black shorts and i sent you the link that goes for 185 pounds i'm just looking at it yeah yeah, it goes yeah. for about 50 pounds. Um, you know, if you've got any of the NASL teams, you know, you'll, you'll get at least 30, 40 pounds for them. And even someone like Bristol Rovers. So I had Bristol Rovers heavyweight set. And here's an anecdote for you. I had a full set, perfect condition, and I gave it away to a school friend when we had some A leagues at school because mm. he didn't have a team. And that school friend was Simon Beck, the Premier League referee. And every time I see Bristol Rovers, I think, <laughs> Bloody hell! You've got my, uh, you got my superior that too. Worth, that's worth twenty-one pound there on eBay. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so you know, you get so teams like Zaire, for example, who came out in seventy-four, and then after they disappeared, you never got Zaire again. That's very no. rare, you know, very rare. But you know, it, it's an interesting sign of the times in that um, all the South American teams are black players, and all the African teams are black players. Even though in Argentina they rarely had yeah. black players, kind of thing. It was kind of that. Um, should we say not stereotype as such, but it was easy to do a team all one color because it was all yeah. hand painted, you know. Yeah. Um, but then when they did Melchester Rovers, they always had one player with blonde hair, so you knew that was Roy Race. That was that Roy was Race, the first kind of. <laughs> but then later on, you started getting the printed badges, you started getting the ads, etc. Um, you know, and you could tell they were printed. But um, yes, I am. Before anyone asks, the proud owner of a Dukla Prague away shirt as well. <laughs> I mean, I think the I think I do keep right. it I, mean, <laughs> I had um, I mean the the, the Sabutio kit used to come with one team wearing red shirts and white shorts and one team with blue shirts and white shorts. So you had a mm -hmm. you could you could have a game, and then you they you know as you say the 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 catalogue was a thing of some fascination to me because I keep having to stress to any younger listeners that this was an era where you just didn't see teams that often from abroad. So. You know, you would get all the colour combinations. I remember um, Anderlecht, I think, playing mauve, and I've never seen any team playing in mauve shirts yeah. in, in this country. And then you get exotic, as they seem to me, club names. Um, Colo Colo, I, th I think they're a Chilean side, I think, and they'd have their colour. You know, the attention yeah. to detail, the quality of the paintwork. I had, for some reason, I bought, um, I think I just like the, the green and black striped shirts, the Coventry City's away kit. Yeah, I've got that as well. Green and, green and black. But the stripes were really delicately painted. I mean, these were very small figurines, and, and to get that so it looked authentic must have been intensely detailed work. I mean, you know, to, to paint that on would require the patience of a saint. I mean, I know that, the you know, the people doing it for, for money, but um, the, 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 the detail really made it something special. And the... The lengths to which they would go to get it right, because I remember, I remember the famous Peruvian white shirts with a red diagonal band being one of the, the, the kits that you could buy. 
and and it, it, that was just magic, Neil. It was that was the magic of it. Yeah. I've got three Peru teams, so um, I've got a lightweight and I've got two heavyweights. And the reason why I've got two heavyweights is they've got different bases. Um, so you know, it, it's like even kind of small nuances like that. But you, you're right. But the other thing was that they used to do these wall charts, and these wall charts are a work of art, and that you had the entire catalog. Mm. And yeah. they've all got numbers. So, you know, if you were blue and white, you'd be Mill Everton and, you know, Peter yeah. United kind of thing. Yeah. But yeah. like I say, Peru, that was bespoke. Sweden was bespoke um, pretty much. Wiccan Wonders, we mentioned. But they would then list the team names underneath. So if you were a real football geek, like we are, um, mm. you could like, learn that there was a team in Italy that played in a pink shirt. So when anyone in the school said no one ever played in pink, you go, ah, hang oh, on. they do. You know, and um, <laughs> you know, brown shirts as well. I know um, commentary played in brown, but you know, there, there was like you say, there's a real kind of attention to detail. But they started doing away kits as well, like you said, with commentary city. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, you had you could actually get sets of the home nations that would come in different boxes as well. So England, Scotland, Northern Ireland, and Wales, and they'd come in yeah. their own bespoke boxes. Um, I think they did that for Jubilee actually. Um, but you know, it, it was, it, you know, like you say, it was just the, the intention detail and the love as well. You knew you were getting a product that, you know, loved. Um, but I think when Waddington's, um, I think Waddington's bought it for the equivalent of 2 million. And then Waddington's right. was bought for the equivalent of 57 million. But, once it went to Waddington's, it, you know, it lost that kind of cottage industry feel, I think. Um, you know, it had to be mass produced. And, you know, you, you're selling over a million sets a year, which they were in the UK in the mid-70s kind of thing. You know, you've kind of got to keep up with supply and not repeat the mistakes of the past when you've got to fly back to fulfill your post orders. But, yeah. you know, it's kind of people always talk about album covers, you know, and works of art. But if you look at some of these Abito teams, they are really hard works of art. You know, you look at Tampa Bay Rowdies and you think, Wow, that that someone put a lot of time and effort into that, and you know, it's kind of just to look at the teams and the boxes. It, it, it's you know, it kind of it really is a nice thing to look at. Um, I'm just looking at the the um the link you sent me the eBay. I'm just looking at the Hamilton Academicals listeners who play mm. in red red and white stripe uh, hooped shirts with black shorts. Um, and you know, it's delicate delicate paintwork that's gone into this. I mean, it is a toy. It was it was there to. I mean, I, I think I must have crushed a couple of my Coventry City team in my time because it's a kids' game, so therefore it's there to be to be used and played with. And but this one's this one has come down the ages, preserved. Um, 180 pounds. This chap is asking for it, and I dare say, looking at the other prices on on the other ones here, there's one for Motherwell here, Neil, and and. Um, and other teams here, Liverpool. I'm seeing. I dare say that's the kind of that's the kind of range he'll get for this this particular set. Um, and you've got to be careful of um, fakes, though. So a lot of people can't okay. started paying figures, and yeah. sometimes it's worth paying for, you know, because they've they've gone to detail. Sometimes you know they've used gloss paint instead of matte paint, or you right. know sometimes okay. Okay. They, they've put in you know. I remember getting a Blackburn Rovers team once and, you know, everyone was bidding on it because it had the wire goalie because the goalie was on a wire instead of a piece of plastic. That was the version I had. The first one I yeah. had was a wire goalkeeper, which you fitted on the end of the yeah. piece of wire. Yeah, and I then I'm this seeing wasn't this... genuine because the Blackburn team had three black players in, which never happened with the wire goalkeepers. However, right. the reason okay. why I got it was I needed a wire goalkeeper. <laughs> it was cheaper than <laughs> buying a wire goalkeeper. I mean, just to explain, there was the wire goalkeeper. It was literally a bit of wire, which you then put into a small hole on the back of your goalkeeper, who was in a diving, long, long stretching diving pose. Um, 
later that became a plastic um, one-piece kind of unit, which I'm just looking at the Hamilton side that I've mentioned earlier on has that plastic um, goalkeeper kind of um, arrangement. Um, I mean, they, they, they would also produce... Um, and there's a kid, this was the, the, the beauty of it was the detail, as we've said a few times, but I had a, a small version of the European Cup, which we would, yeah. it was it was the, the cup that you play for, it was FA Cup, did as a League Cup, Championship. Trophy I had the levels. FA Cup. Yeah. yeah, the FA Cup. So we had a European Cup and I mean, it was, it was a replica of the, a small, very small, a couple of inches yeah. high, small replica of the European Cup. Um and scoreboards, Neil. I mean, you mentioned the scoreboards, um, stuff like that, and the fencing around the edge. I mean, we didn't have a lot of that, and you could get floodlights, which um, we never had. But um, I was, also, I remember the other thing. My, my dad got us for Christmas. It was a five-a-side version, like a like a very heavy-duty mm. cardboard uh, five-a-side futsal, I suppose you call it now. But five-a-side in, in in my time. Um, they called it with, Express. Football Express, and it had curved edges. The goals were built into a very hard, very heavy-duty cardboard thing with a kind of like a, I think it was meant to be like an AstroTurf type of surface. Um, and you could play it with just five players, which meant you could recycle any of your old broken teams and get a team out on there. And you could rebound yeah, it off the walls. Great game, they re- great game. They re- I loved that it. In, yeah, they rebranded it in 82 with Sport Billy. Remember the Sport Billy 1982 mascot? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The Spain, yeah, yeah. One of the two. They um, they did that um and recycled that game for it. But um, the scoreboard, I, I tell you what, you know, cutting cutting out all those different teams because they, I mean, that scoreboard was actually um, although it only went up to nine. So if you're Yugoslavia playing, um, you know, so yeah, you could go nine nil, etc. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you could never do hungry El Salvador, unfortunately. But um, <laughs> the, the sheets were, you know, it came with all 92 English clubs, it came with all the Scottish clubs, and then it came with all the major international teams that were kind of in that year's World Cup, um, as well as kind of you know Northern Ireland, Wales, etc. You know, all, yeah, as I said, the nations, but and all the big European nations. You cut that out, so you could actually. Pick your teams and you know put it on the scoreboard and you know yeah yeah, good. yeah I remember the I never had the floodlights until later when someone gave me some as kind of a job because they were getting rid of them and they weren't very good you put the you know no they weren't no, they, were, no. Like, they would kill your batteries in let next to no time but the the crowd the stadium was good to a certain point the to a certain degree of, they I mean because I, I, you couldn't I, lean over you couldn't lean over to no, flick if you had the entire no. stadium that was the problem. A mate of mine had floodlights. I think he had a section of crowd, but it was that. It looks, it looks great. I mean, you, from time to time on social media, you'll see pictures where people have set up, um, a, 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 you know, a pristine four floodlights crowd all around four sides. Um, some of them, there was the humour of the uh, the rioting crowd and the policemen, all that kind of things. It looks great in the photograph, but from a practical point of view, as a kid, you wouldn't play with that because it just got in the way, and you wanted to play the game. That was that was mm. the thing. And as you say, the floodlights weren't terribly good, so you'd put your main front room. We used to play sprawled across our front room floor. I used to annoy my dad no end because we'd have the whole pitch laid out on the carpet. And our front room carpet gave a particularly pristine Wembley style in its heyday pitch. Um, if we got slung out of the front room, we had to go in the in the hallway um, where the carpet wasn't such good quality out there, and it used to scuff up. So that we used to pretend that was like a bad pitch, just nineteen seventies bad pitch. Uh, my my mum actually put it. Um, so where she worked, 
they she works at the time the London College of Furniture, which no longer exists. Okay. Um, it's part of London Guildhall, I think now. But you know, she got this big piece of chipboard, so quite thin. Yeah, you could do and that. Staple yeah. the pitch onto it. So I always had a flat surface, and what's my I could carry it around quite easy. Um, <laughs> so I never had that problem with the thing. But um, I do remember when my cousin got it. My cousin got it in the early nineties, and. Um, I, I was called a very mean person because my cousin, everyone used to lose to my cousin. Yeah, yeah, I thumped him 10 mil and he started 10 mil. Uh, he, he rolled this out on uh, my grand's um, floor and that carpet was so good. But and then he had to go and I remember him leaving it there. And my grand got annoyed with saying, and she had one of these art files and she just threw it down right on top of the goal and just smashed the goal. <laughs> But all can oh, you do it dear. together. It's like no, not really. You know. Talk about. I mean, I, 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 the, the world for me divided into those that actually flicked it properly on the game, and those that nudged it or um, used other. My brother was a terrible one for nudging it and kind oh, of uh, yeah. long, long, long runs, guided runs from deep. You know, where you you basically you're pushing it. You know, pushing the player. I remember being in the league at school <laughs> and. Um, yeah, it was between me and this other kid, and it was nil-nil. And I got a throw-in. I still dispute yeah. this. Today. I got this throw-in. He took it and then scored. And it's like, what are you doing? And we had this big argument over it. And it's like, right, I'm, I'm not interested. That's it, yeah. It normally turns into a row, doesn't it? And, like, you know, the referee took off a few of my players for descent. <laughs> going, but I lost 6 nil. <laughs> And so, like, yeah, and that's what she said. Yeah, that was, yeah, it's like typical school kid, you know, um, argument where, you know, his mate was referee and, you know, they all thought it was a good laugh. And I remember him going on and on about it for a couple of days. And I think by the end of the week, I snapped and he started laughing. I just felled him with a left hook and he never mentioned it again. <laughs> that's the way to solve Sabutio yeah. disputes, which can get very heated. Um, great sport. I'm just looking as as we're talking. I'm just looking at the article from uh, WSC a few months ago. Um, and there were talk of a, of a UK club league, um, all sorts of across the country, um, and it's great to see it. Um, certainly, my nephew loves it. I, I think its beauty is it remains the fact it's a physical game that you've got to play. You've got to engage with somebody else when you're playing it, rather than the essentially passive nature. I think of many many video games i know that there are ways around that but um so really great to, to be able to give a nod to a big feature of my childhood neil um Sibutio. it's it's one of those fond memories from a long time ago so uh, great to see it making a bit of a comeback um thank you to neil andrews with your evident love of of Sibutio. and um I've, I've, I actually I've, I've, I counted up last night. I've got about eight sets in the loft. Uh, very old <laughs> how, does, how does Mrs. Andrews feel about this? <laughs> well, they're in the loft, so it's not a problem. Yeah, outside, <laughs> out of mind. But uh, I do have one downstairs, and I, I keep saying to the kids who fancy the game as a beat because I fancy playing it again. Um, yeah, I do fancy, but I don't think I'll enter a, a competition or a league no. because I, I clearly do not have the temperament for it. And no, I think that I would turn a, into a into a Millwall row there. Yeah, <laughs> if I fire left up now, I'll get arrested. You know. <laughs> Big thank you, Neil Andrews. Thanks for coming on the show. Appreciate it. Cheers, you're welcome. Mm-hmm. 
Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.